Kura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Hello, Wellington. Well, it's the Wahine Memorial, isn't it? So it's, I suppose it's quite fitting, but um, so it's quite a miserable reminder of that nasty day 50 years ago. Yes, true. All right. So I've got Sarah Hunter coming in, um, who is a very integral part of the creative scene around Wellington. I'm sure a lot of people will know her. Um, particularly out South Coast Way, to her centre of operations out in Lyle Bay. She's perhaps most widely known for her work with the local music legends Fat Freddy's Drop. Are they still touring, Sarah? They seem to, I haven't seen them around for a while. Kia ora, kia ora. Um, yeah, well, literally just finished a summer tour. So I'm way down, I'm, I'm on the coattails. I've been on that little train uh, since the very early days and they just... Smash to see it as part of homegrown. Oh, awesome! Right, oh, cool. So um, you're also more recently you're probably known for that World War One remembered projection show that you did onto the Carillion. I saw that; it was very cool. Yeah, that was probably a bit of a peak or an ultimate in uh, what your creative vision can grow to, and and the kind of beautiful synergy of collaboration, mm, uh, I was which, ask you about which that. kind of fits into everything that we do. Yeah. You you kind of, you know, it's awesome being creative and driven, but it's even better when you get to jam with other people. So that was yeah. a culmination of archival, historic, mixing that up with artists and responding to our history and our stories and bringing in music. Cool. I want to talk about all that more, but first of all, I'm going to take you back. Can you take us back to how did you come to be in Wellington where did you grow up? What made you the creative person you are today? Is that too much? Thanks. No, <laughs> winding back. Once upon a time. Uh so born in Waipukurau. Uh, hospital, maternity home, gone. Uh, much the same as our um, health system, really. Uh, so kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere. Literally where I grew up, we're in a little valley by the sea. With the ocean, and uh, it was pretty low key, and it was amazing. It was very community, uh, very neighbourhood. So you had a lot of family, and went to a little school, uh, little primary school, Parangaho Primary. Just had its hundred and fiftieth, uh, which was you know a mix of uh, Maori, Cook Island, and uh, Balangi, Pakeha. So it's a really old school. Yeah, it's a very kind of old-school neighbourhood. Right. And I suppose what you had out there was uh, freedom. Yep. You had freedom to run, freedom to roam, and it's that classic thing of, you know, being told, well, we don't know where you were most days as kids. Yeah. <laughs> Are your folks yeah. still out there? Um, my mum is in Waipukurau and my bro is on the coast, and we have a little sheriff's quarters that we share. Is our little hideaway spot. Lovely. Yeah, I actually did get to visit out there a couple of years ago. It's beautiful. Just a bit further up from Tora, isn't it? Further along. That further, wild further, coast. further. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the road is still metal, which is 
Actually, it's only saving grace. Okay. The world moves fast. So once upon a time, you you know, you're kind of like, wow, it's not really that cool. When you're a teenager, it's like, well, that's not really cool because <laughs> there's no one there. Yeah. But now you're like, ah, oh, could you all just go away now? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's kind of, yeah, you know, bless us in our little progress. So how did you end up here in Wellington? I kind of gravitated. Uh, my mum's sister works, worked in broadcasting. Uh, Judith Fife. She's my godmother oh. and my auntie. And so I'd get shipped off for holidays right. to Wellington. And that was all excitement. It was a competition, you know, to say to my sister, I'd been on an escalator. <laughs> She'd been on a bus. Um, so I used to come and hang out here. And that would include going to uh, visit TVNZ and watching some of the live production happening out there. I think she took me along to Jesus Christ Superstar, the live show. At quite a young age. So we were kind of went from that kind of middle of nowhere to the centre of the universe was Wellington. So it was, I wanted to come down here and get into journalism. Came down, didn't, I was on a short list and uh, so my first year in Wellington, I worked at McDonald's in Courtney Place, <laughs> wearing beautiful green synthetic outfits and Work my first, city. yeah, <laughs> my first taste of American training. <laughs> It's like they stuck you in a little room and put on a VHS tape, which I was like, wow. <laughs> and uh, that was your training. Okay. <laughs> so then I did, I did get into journalism school the following year. And from there, kind of entered in the world of um, storytelling. So photography was always a big thing. And uh, back in those days, you had to be a writer or photographer. You couldn't be both because the way things were kind of segmented. So... Um, that kind of got broken down, though, is like my first jobs are in rural newspapers. Mm. So um, the Wairarapa News, which is uh, about to be shut down, I believe, oh. and uh, Wairarapa Times Age. So they were places that, much like Access Radio, you're part of a community. So you can't be too big for your boots. You have to kind of have a little bit of empathy for how you're doing your storytelling. And uh, so it was a really good lesson in... You know, being part of a neighbourhood and mm. wanting to tell people stories. And then I kind of progressed from there back to Wellington and uh, Radio Windy. Okay, what were you doing And worked then? in radio. Yeah, I worked in the newsroom and um, we had some pretty interesting times. And it was before, you know, it was, it was literally in the day where local stories mattered. Yeah. So I kind of chose arts as a round, but you got thrown into having to do all sorts of networks and rounds and stories um, but eventually, you know, that hard, they changed into independent radio news. Hard news didn't really suit me. Yeah. I like to do the more human side of things, but... Uh, it sounds like you had it pretty sweet there for a while. Yeah, I did, thanks. <laughs> Although the weather, you know, the, the weather, we weren't going to talk about the weather, but, you know, one of my first stories was um, being sent in a car to the south coast, which I'd never been to, really, in the middle of a storm, and the Lady Elizabeth police boat was going down, and... They had a chopper coming in to try and rescue the guys off the boat. And I just literally stood there doing a live cross going, it's really rough. <laughs> I just realised that I don't think we've actually said this is Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM and B-Side Stories. I'm just talking to Sarah Hunter, um, who is a Wellington creative, I, I sort of, can't define you down much further than that because you do so many different things. 
photography, writing, and then there's all the digital stuff, multimedia stuff. I don't know. Can you define yourself? <laughs> well, it kind of works now because creative content and content is an understood kind of, you know, medium. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, I said photography and writing, you weren't allowed to do that back in the day in media. Now the, everyone's expected to actually do everything. Um, it's gone to the complete opposite where, you know, journalists are going out there and having to take a camera, make a video, write a story, edit that, cut it up, and then get on to the next story. Um, so I kind of went from doing storytelling into marketing and kind of flipped it and worked for uh, Takirua Theatre. I was really lucky enough to have a job there, and that's where I came across Moo. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Freddy's, and yep, he was DJ front of house, DJ Moo, and the Roots Foundation sound system were just starting up. So it was a real, it was a pivotal time of Māori and Pacific theatre and storytelling, um, and then hello, along comes the Roots Foundation sound system, and I was like, well, music's, uh, music's pretty cool, eh? mm-hmm. So got into supporting and being a part of that, and used to do a lot of uh, documentary photography. I'd call it documentary. I used to do a lot of photography around music and a bit of promotion. Worked in the New Zealand Film Archive when it was the Film Archive. And that was kind of four years, again, around marketing. But it was a kind of a real insight into New Zealand filmmaking and New Zealand storytelling on film and, you know, through the ages. So got to meet amazing people and find out about amazing filmmaking projects. And then uh, in 2003... Launched Transmit, uh, T R A N S M I T. Um, I'd been I'd been to a couple of the Pacific Arts Festivals around the Pacific. I was really keen on understanding where we are in the Pacific, in the world, and I'd been to um, Rarotonga, Samoa, and then New Caledonia. Kind of taking myself along, doing photography and just kind of soaking up the arts and and performance. And there was a guy in New Caledonia who was a kanaki artist and to talk to him there was an interpreter. She, he spoke in French and then she translated back and he talked about transmitting his ancestors. And I kind of came back with that idea of trans, transmit, transmitting transmission um, and took that as a kind of an inspiration, made a little short film about the arts festival and started up Transmit. And then we crossed paths, Sadie. That's right, making the Transmit website. <laughs> holy, holy. <laughs> that was fun. So 2003, uh, we launched a website, Transmit, and uh, Sadie was part of October Interactive, mm-hmm. and they were this amazing team. Who we had a great team. It's all down to the, incredible, like you say, collaborations, eh? Incredible yeah. team that I could go on with this crazy ideas, who could make things happen. And it was that mix yeah. of technology and genius, really. And so we got to put together a website that used art and music and creative endeavours to let people explore, challenge and kind of inspire about our identity. Uh, one of the games was called Face Shifter. Uh, there was a mixer. That, that which cool, Face Shifter. Face Shifter yeah. was about you know getting lots of people's photos and then you moved it. The user got to move it around and you just kind of created this whole new what is our future face of, of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, another one which was the mixer, which was mixing stills, music, video, and uh, little quotes, so text. And then no one really kind of got it. In a way, it was beautiful and it was fantastic, but it was 2003 and websites were more like a page. 
that people read on the screen. They didn't want to play. And they said, what is it? And that's why I, I, you were such a great client, actually, to come in and, you know, be open to that, like, oh, no, I don't just want you to put my brochure up. Oh, my God, <laughs> you know? it was incredible. Not that we got many of those. You know, we were lucky, really. So, but it kind of, yeah, and it's kind of a little bit like how a lot of projects or a lot of visions go, you know, we kind of got out there. But then it was like, how do you convince people that there's more to this or what is the purpose? And 15 years later, it all makes sense. Yeah, it's so how have you made your way along? I mean, there must have been times where it felt like, oh, it's just not really going to go anywhere. But how have you made your way along that path to where you are now? Should we call them cul-de-sacs instead of stops <laughs> and no exits? Um, by just continuing, con- continually going down roads. Um, the Freddies from, from the Roots Foundation uh, sound system, I got to work on the Dallas album. So mm-hmm. Dallas was part of Pacific Underground, uh, who I also worked with um, in production and PR and stuff. And he hooked up with Moo while we were doing a Romeo and Tossi show and um, sort of Shakespeare, but Polynesia versus Māori. And um, so the Stellis album got made, and I worked on that. And then the Freddies kind of kicked in. And um, I was lucky enough to kind of continue on that journey and uh, have been there just helping join the dots, really, in terms of that storytelling and connecting and being a part of a kind of a major international force now. So you've gone from being this little band that played at the Matterhorn jamming away for 20-minute songs to, you know, they're out there on that circuit. And it's mainly mainly international. Mm, Amazing. And uh, that transformation is huge. I've managed to go on a couple of the tours. I I generally am the (laughs) stay-home behind the scenes. But 03, which was the first big tour through Europe, um, UK. So it was like... London, Berlin, Amsterdam, but there were weeks, we were six weeks in a little house in Tooting, and a couple of weeks in Berlin, and a couple of weeks in um, Amsterdam, so you kind of put your feet on the ground and then mm-hmm. starved, and these guys played music and carried all their gear. Excellent. Um, Should we play one of their songs? Yeah, go for it. Cool. All right. We, tri- we lined up one that we thought um, was one of the shorter ones. <laughs> don't know this one, so hopefully it's a good one too. It's So You Wanna from their Blackbird album. Right, we come back with Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM, B-Side Stories, and just carrying on talking with Sarah Hunter 
about some of the amazing creative projects she's done over the years. Are there any highlights stand out for you from over the years? Keeping on, keeping on. Uh, Transmit turned 15 this year, which was a bit of a miracle. Uh, I think any creative business is a challenge um, to be that kind of creative and then how do you do that and be sustainable. In the last couple of years, the one Remembered Light and Sound shows were an amazing opportunity that, in a sense, I did stand there uh, with the projections playing, feeling like it was back to that day, that time with October Interactive and the original Transmit. It was just that beautiful mashup of, uh, you know, creative arts and music and, and letting people go for that experience rather than hitting them on the head, um, yeah. letting it soak in a little bit. And um, from the back of those two light and sound shows, we were lucky enough uh, last year to kind of do an interactive project called Luck of the Draw, L-O-T-D.nz. And it kind of sparked, it sparked from a conversation where one of the films um, from the Dub Dub One period is a 1916 film on compulsory conscription. And they roll the dice and they pull the dice out, they pull out the number, it's literally a That's how they did it. It's like Lotto, huh? and then they match it up to a card. And it's this incredibly well shot and slightly surreal film of these women all then pulling out the cards to match the number, mm-hmm. and that's how we had compulsory conscription. And so that happened for a couple of years in New Zealand because people had stopped wanting to go to war at that point. And so it was getting young artists, 18 to 25, to come in, and be a part of that storytelling and their response to that film, but to really bring it into a kind of more contemporary setting. Um, so it was kind of their take on it. Look, have you seen this film? They'd never seen it. Didn't realise that we had had compulsory conscription. And then we kind of had it as a multidiscipline uh, event where we had uh, a conscious MC matched with a um, soprano and mm. took them up to Rumba Studio and threw them in there. The <laughs> Madison annoys the opera singer, sort of, whoa, I've never worked with an MC, and the MC going, world-class opera singer, I'm really nervous. But they, they, you know, the base of music from the Rumbus guys, Thomas and Kaur, it was just this amazing piece of magic, and it's this haunting, beautiful song that they made in response. What made you think of doing that, approaching it that way? I've got to say, it must go back to that original Transmit website. Um, they, they were really keen to engage that age group. Um, you know, you can have an exhibition and you can tell people stories and you can have a light and sound show. But this was about getting them in and challenging and asking them to come back uh, with a vision, their take on it. Um, we had an animator, amazing guy, um, from Dunedin, I searched high and low for a little ging, kind of a ginga palangi artist. Uh, we had a Cook Island Dutch artist who did some really beautiful graphic art, uh, Moana Williams, and we had a pl- young playwright who kind of took it, took the premise and wrote an absurdist play, a premise of an absurdist play, uh, and we had a video maker, Coldy Hawkins, and. He was he was looking, you know. There were like there's layers and layers within that Maori story and conscription. It's such a deep story. It's barely been touched on. But um, his kind of take on it was just an introduction to that, um, and it was just a way of going. Let's put it out there. And the ministry, bless and the one hundred trusted in it. 
And so we kind of launched that, and it's there. It's on mobile and web, and it's just a way to say, did you know we had compulsory conscription, but you're bringing the kids in through another avenue. So they obviously trusted you enough to kind of give you a bit of creative free reign there. Incredibly lucky. Yeah. And it was all done... You know, within a kind of a six-month period on the smell of an oily rag and, mm-hmm. you know, these guys delivered and over-delivered. Um, there's another artist, Etna Lalo, and she took it and created a sort of a 90s glitch pop art response. It was just all fantastic. I mean, that's what kind of gets you excited and that's what keeps you in the game Yeah, is when sure. you see the end result and then you can kind of sit back and... See people engage and connect, and making making that part of our history. So, in a hundred years' time, if you're looking at Dub Dub One Hundred commemorations, uh, we've added some other storytelling to that. So, you're a real connector of ideas and people, eh? Sounds like you're kind of really consciously pulling in different people that you want to work with. Yeah, and we're kind of. I mean, a lot of it now with Transmit is based around that kind of video content and video storytelling and the fact that, you know, content and storytelling are how people market now. And, you know, it's no longer about the big agencies. It's about how we True. how we connect on a, on a more regular basis. So we've been driving that as part of it. Um, I'm really good at doing it for everyone else, but probably not so much for Transmit. So we're very under the radar, as it were. We kind of keep a bit of a low profile. Um, but it is all around collaboration and creativity mm. and I think uh, think and I think uh, the the fact that we've got such a great Wellington community I think it's a challenge at times I think uh, being sustainable and finding a way to support and create a network you know you go up to Auckland and it's just 100 million miles an hour and we talk about ourselves being the creative capital but we've got real struggles on um, you know that those environments have changed, and the inner city is changing. Uh, on Saturday, it was kind of like um, after the Freddie's gig, uh, Joe or Ho Pepper's son uh, Benny is DJing at Club One Two One. So us oldies went out to support fourteen-year-old Benny at the coolest little house club in town, and it was like, whoa, queues down Cuba Street, and it's kind of like. You know, every generation has their way of presenting and connecting, and this was like saying, "Well, this is new generation Wellington. It's great." It was, it was heaving, and there's 14 year old Benny up there DJing. Awesome. She <laughs> just watched the guitar. They had some nine year old come up and do a bit of rap and perform up on the stage. It's, it's awesome, eh? When you see that happening and them getting those opportunities and <clears throat> people facilitating that. Yeah, and I suppose you know, like having worked in traditional mainstream media and you're aware of, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that we consume and put out there is kind of more the clickbait negative. So I'm really supportive of those platforms and environments that allow us to kind of step out of the rush, as Dale would say in one of his tunes. You know, step out of the rush and just let it kind of soak in a little bit more. You don't have to kind of be everything all the time. So how to find and, and navigate you through your way through that. And yes, after a few decades, we're still here. And that's probably, you know, the biggest surprise. Of we just keep doing it. Yeah. How much of your work would be, like, commercial work and how much is grants and things from Creative New Zealand and that sort of thing? Terrible funding. Uh, <laughs> NZ on Air just can't quite 
Can't quite click through that one. Um, managed a few years back, we did a uh, feature doco, Trinity Roots Music is Choice, um, which got into the New Zealand Film Festival, and right at the end we got some post-production funding from the New Zealand Film Commission and kind of thought, whoa, we've made it. That played at Paramount, and it was fantastic. Um, Probably not the dirty, gritty, classic music doco uh, people are used to, a bit more (laughs) of a gentle story, and um, focused on the music and the making of the music. Um, But otherwise, yeah, we're kind of that, those bigger funding things elude. So we're very kind of self-funded, and we we bounce through. I do um, have a few years now of working um, with the likes of uh, EQC, and you know I can mm. tell a few more commercial names. And we've just done some video content for New Zealand Story, which is um, a part of New Zealand Trade and Exchange around getting New Zealand businesses to to create their own video content. So I've been working on some projects like that, mm-hmm. just. Never know from month to month what it's going to be. So you're just out there putting out the word and seeing what comes back? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's all about the jams never stop. And I suppose that's why music always appealed. Music is that, in a way, you know, that last voice of freedom. was around theatre for a long time, but music really kind of had that drive. Right. So I've, I've stayed more around that, that music hub. Um, but, yeah, it's just essentially about storytelling, joining the dots mm-hmm. and where possible creating collaboration and, and those moments that can kind of elevate and escalate and, yeah, you know, take you all for a ride. Can you imagine ever working not in Wellington? Yeah. I thought yeah. for a while I might go and live in Berlin. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I haven't been there a few times. But, uh, you know, Wellington just keeps on giving. So, so far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think your work would be different if you were somewhere else? Absolutely, yeah. Because you'd have a different network of people. Yeah, for sure. Um, it is, yeah, it is very Wellington centric in a way. But I'm really conscious of, you know, Aotearoa, New Zealand. We're in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. We're representing out there to the world, so it's important to kind of understand where we are. Yeah. Can you tell me more about some of the collaborations that have been? Some of the crucial, I suppose we talked quite a bit about Fat Freddy's, haven't we? Just, oh, do I have a look at the time? Do we have time to talk about more collaborations? <laughs> Possibly Collaboration. not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big in words a, like that to throw out. In time. a funny way, um, I upgraded my camera gear recently after about 10 years and started doing stills again, which I kind of did obsessively for a long time. Uh, a lot of photography was slide and black and white. And um, recently kind of started doing some, you know, black and white, just just for myself, but really kind of reminding myself. I've got a couple of boxes of proof sheets, and I started yeah. looking through going, God, they were terrible. Some of those early <laughs> photos were really bad. But that's but, good. That shows you've grown. But it showed, yeah, <laughs> you saw the progress. Um, and funnily enough, uh, Toy Arts to Papa have got Pacific Sisters in there, and some of my early photos were around those days where Pacific Sisters were doing shows here, and, the, and, you know, the fashion was being kind of pushed along and, um, you know, we're kind of documenting some of that time. So it was great to go along to, to Papa um, and witness that, you know, after 26 years, Pacific Sisters, they got the nod. 
You're a legit right. part of our history. So sometimes it's just time. You're hanging in there. Well, thanks so much for coming in, Sarah, and telling us all about that and struggling through the rain to get here. <laughs> really Thank you. Thank you, Access Radio. <laughs> Kia ora. Yeah, great to have your um, broadcasting life revived a little bit. <laughs> um, oh, I know. We were real to real. Oh, right. Yes, I used to edit films on Real to Real. <laughs> it's awesome. That physical stuff Videos. is great. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much, everyone, to listen, for listening to B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio. We'll be back next Tuesday, 5 till 6. See you later. See ya. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.